When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, as those of us who play with botanicals in our aquariums know, there's more to this stuff than just the pretty scape, a pile of leaves, and tinted water glam shots that you see on Instagram. There's a lot of process, function, and science involved in making one of these tanks work over the long haul, like, you know, maintenance. Mundane, I know. But if you've started working with botanicals in your tanks over the past few months, you've probably gained an awareness that although these are unique and aesthetically beautiful aquariums, like any other methodology, they're not set-and-forget systems. Because of the very nature of botanicals and how they interact with their environment, you need to regularly evaluate the aquarium and replace the botanicals as needed. Leaves and botanicals are ephemeral in nature. They're not permanent fixtures in our aquaria. You'll need to understand the progression of things that happen as your tank establishes itself. And most important, you'll need to make some mental adjustments to accept and appreciate this different aesthetic. Also, you'll have to get used to a certain amount of material breaking down in your tank. It's natural and part of the aesthetic. Accepting the fact that you'll see biofilms, fungal growth, and even some algae in your system is something that many, of course, have a difficult time with. As we've discussed numerous times here, it goes against our aesthetic upbringing with regards to what's an attractive, healthy-looking tank for a lot of people. We've learned to understand and appreciate this stuff. This is not an excuse to develop or accept lax maintenance practices. It's simply to call awareness to the fact that there's probably nothing wrong with your system when you see this stuff. It's quite contrary to the way we've been you know, trained to evaluate the aesthetics of a typical aquarium. If you observe underwater videos and photos of environments like the Amazon, etc., you'll see that your tank is a much closer aesthetic approximation of nature than almost any other type of system that you've worked with before. This is a significant thing, really. And to your comfort, you'll find that these systems are as chemically clean as any other if you follow regular maintenance and common sense. So what are we thinking about regular maintenance? Well, for one thing, water exchanges. I'll keep it relatively brief on this topic. When's a good time? Uh, when is a good water changing uh, methodology? What's a good time to change water? Boy, I'm having trouble saying that. I guess what I'm trying to say is what's a really good recommended water change regimen? There you go. Third time's a charm. I'd love to see you employ like 10% a week. It's what I've used for decades and it's saved me and a lot of trouble and it's served me and my animals very well. Easier still would be to employ two 5% water exchanges twice weekly if you can do that. It's way easier than you think and it has the added advantage of keeping you in real intimate contact with your, uh, your tank on a very frequent basis. And when you're changing water, you could easily complete a few other regular maintenance tasks at the same time with a minimum of time or effort involved. Regardless of how frequently you change your water, just do it consistently. In fact, I'll humbly borrow a line from you know Nike and tell you to just do it. And of course, this inevitably leads to the topic of siphoning. How much stuff do you remove? Doesn't it disturb the leaf litter or botanical bed and should you even remove it? Well, it's a personal thing, really. Consider the function of natural leaf litter beds and the processes which influence their composition and structure. Many leaf litter beds are long-term static features in their natural habitats, almost like reefs. 
However, there's a fair amount of materials being shifted around by current, rain, flooding, and the activities of fishes. Stuff does get disturbed and redistributed. The benthic microfauna that our fishes tend to feed on are also affected by this phenomenon. And as mentioned before, the fishes tend to follow the food, making this a case of the fishes sort of learning to adapt to a changing environment. And perhaps, maybe, the idea of fishes sort of having to constantly adjust to changing physical environments could be some sort of a trigger hidden deep in their genetic code that maybe it stimulates overall health, immunity, or spawning behavior. Notice I didn't say chemical, because this is a different thing. We're talking about their physical environment. Maybe it's just something in their program that says, hey, you're home, and that triggers some kind of adaptive behavior. Now, I'm probably reaching, but I find this possibility fascinating because we can learn more about our fish's behaviors and create really interesting habitats for them by simply you know, adding botanical store aquariums and allowing them to do their thing, to break apart as they decompose, move about as we change water, or, or add new pieces from time to time. Again, much like what happens in, happens in nature. Like any environment, leaf litter beds have their own rhythm, fostering, you know, substantial communities of fishes. The dynamic behind this biotope can best be summed up in an interesting expert, excerpt I found in an academic paper on blackwater leaf litter bed communities by biologist Peter Allen Henderson. It's useful for those of us that are replicating this type of habitat. And he basically says, life within the litter is not a crowded, chaotic scramble for space and food. Each species occupies a subregion defined by the physical variables such as flow and oxygen content, water depth, litter depth, and particle size. The subtle division of space is the key to understanding the maintenance of diversity. While subdivision of time is also evident with, for example, gynotids hunting by night and cichlids hunting by day, this is only possible when each species has its own space within which to hide. So, yeah, that makes sense, right? And of course, an aquarium is a microcosm of nature. It's not an open system. However, in principle, many of the you know, factors which control nature control our aquariums too. Some of them are quite a bit different in execution, but the influence is similar. So back to siphoning for a minute. Personally, I don't do a lot of siphoning of detritus from my substrates, which are typically a you know, mishmash of leaves, twigs, and bits of botanicals and stuff like that. Sure, you can stir up this labor later and, you know, could simply swish a fine mesh net around the water column and try to remove anything you find offensive. I wouldn't get too carried away with it. Remember, most of the stuff, the detritus and stuff, is, is utilized by organisms throughout the food chain in your tank and as such is a fuel for biological processes that we're so interested in. No sense disrupting them, right? What goes down doesn't always have to come up. Take care of your tank by taking care of the enormous microcosm which supports its form and function. The surest path to success with botanical-style blackwater aquariums, as we've mentioned repeatedly, is to go slowly and incrementally. Sure, once you gain experience, you'll know how far you can push it, but quite frankly, nature doesn't really care about your experience. If the conditions aren't right and the bacteria in your system can't accommodate a rapid increase in bioload, she'll kick your ass like a personal trainer. Just go slowly. Change the water regularly. Go easy on the siphoning, okay? Respect nature. Learn from her. Stay observant. Stay patient. Stay inquisitive. Stay humble. Stay curious. Stay diligent. And always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks so much for spending part of your day with me. I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.